thought you were going to say we need to get Aaron some boots, uh, and I just don't know that I'm like that committed uh, yet to, to be able to put on some boots. Some people have noticed that uh, when I do wear tennis shoes, I do have like some Texas Brooks. I don't know if you've seen those in stores, and they uh, are pretty sweet. I wanted people to know that I was like fully committed to being a Texan, uh, so I jumped in with both feet. Um, <laughs> But I don't know that I'm ready for boots yet. Um, so just uh, thought I'd throw that one out there. Uh, hopefully you were able to notice, like, we have these really great bulletins, which are fantastic. But we also have these that are out there as well. So make sure uh, if you want to grab one of those, uh, they have stuff about our seniors, uh, our graduates, and where they plan to go, what they plan to do, and all those awards that they've got. Plus... I mean, man, they just like cleaned up really nice and took these awesome photos, uh, something that I have never been able to find of myself. Uh, but hopefully you can grab one of those. They're out there uh, on those tables as well. Something I forgot to ask, and they're going to really love me. Uh, this just seems to be the theme of this Sunday so far, right? Uh, can I get our seniors to stand back up uh, and then come and sit right up here at the front? It's awkward to give like a charge to our seniors and then they like, have to be searching all over to like, find them. So um, I know you're really excited to sit on the front pew uh, at church service. <clears throat> so there comes this time every, every year over the last couple of weeks, and it's one of my favorite times of the year uh, as a youth minister because I, I search. Uh, I'm friends with a bunch of youth ministers. You're part of these network groups. Uh, and this time of the year, youth ministers, like, this is like your time to, to preach, right? It's like you got to preach the Senior Sunday Sermon. It's a big deal, right? Uh, so after, you know, 10, 10 and a half, almost 11 years of youth ministry now, I know I look really good, uh, you know, how do you give a charge to seniors? You know, do you, do you just go in the past and you, you pull out the old sermon, you're like... Is this one still good? Can I still use this? Um, and so I love going on uh, to these Facebook groups or other groups that I have uh, and, and looking and talking to other youth ministers and say, hey, what are you saying to your seniors this year? And I finally got around to, to this idea. You know, I was talking to a few others and I said, you know, I really think I just want to tell our seniors to be more. To, to be more. And I was thinking about what is it that the church needs more of? Not just pine tree, but the church in general. What is it that we really need Christians to just step up and to be more of? Which honestly, we should probably look in the mirror every week and go, what is it that Christ is really trying to change about me? Because... Our faith life is not a destination that you already got to when you were baptized. It's a journey of transformation as we walk with Jesus and as we change. And so I want to challenge you this morning just to be more. And so I want to hit three points for you to think about as you enter into this new part of your life, as you are uh, adults and as you go out into the world, I want you to think of these three things, and I want you to hold them dear to your hearts. And I think if you really hold these to your heart and you strive to live your life with these and a lot more, of course, 
that you'll see this transformation. And so I want you to think about service. I want you to think about humility. And I want you to think about evangelism this morning. And honestly, this morning we're going to read a lot of scripture. Three passages. Two a little bit longer. One a little bit shorter, as you saw at scripture reading. To kind of convey and go through these points. And so I want you to think about service. And what does that mean? How do you live your life with service being something that's core and fundamental to you? And so we go over to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. And I want to read this story for you. I love Bible titles uh, when they insert those in. Sometimes you're like, what? I don't even understand that. But sometimes they like really hit home. This one, you know, a mother's request. And so it says, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons and kneeling before him, she asked him something. And he said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. And Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they said to him, we are able. And he said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but is for those whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the turn ten heard this, they were indignant at the two brothers. I think verse 24 really sums up uh, some of the feels that's happening amongst the disciples sometimes, right? Uh, where they argue about who's going to be greater or who's going to be better. Um, and here we have, you know, the sons of Zebedee, their mother, uh, goes before Jesus and asks, Hey, can you elevate my two sons? And the group finds out about it. And you can imagine them all walking in, maybe with their heads down a little bit, and everyone else is, oh, this is pretty good. Like your arms crossed, like, did you just have your mom go talk to the teacher? Really? I don't know, I find that to be a really funny image. It'll catch up with you all, don't worry. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The point is, is that Jesus makes it pretty straightforward. He makes it pretty straightforward, and and when he explains this to his disciples, he he gets to this point. And he says, you know how authority and how leadership and how power and everything works in the real world. You know how it is. And if you if you you know get a title or you get a promotion, like, oh, I'm feeling pretty good about that. And he talks about how the Gentiles or how the world will use that 
to lord over people. Well, you know, my position is this, therefore I am greater than you. Listen to me. Or look up to me. And yet Jesus paints a beautiful picture here because he looks at the apostles and he says, don't be like the world. This is how the world treats authority. This is how the world treats leadership. This is how the world treats those who are in charge. They lord it over other people. And Jesus looks at his disciple and he says, don't be like the world. Seniors, Christ is asking you to take a look at this and to hold it dear. The world will tell you that you need to be served. The world will tell you that you're the most important person. The world will tell you to build yourself up and to place yourself at top as the most important person in the room. But Christ will look at you and say, don't do this. Don't do this. This is not how my kingdom works. It's maybe how the world works, but this is not how my kingdom works. Christ is saying to be different. Don't walk into a place and ask, what can they do for me? Walk into a place and say, what can I do for you? If you're going away for education, if you're going away for higher training, if you're just moving away and you're finding that church home, I beg you, don't just decide on where to go to church based on what they can offer you. Don't go to church as a consumer. Don't go to a church and say, what can this church offer me? But instead, walk into that church, discover, talk to its members and say, how can I serve Christ with this church? Be more. Be more than just somebody who sits on the pew. Be more than somebody who just comes to be served by a church family. Come and serve with that church. Am I look at teaching Bible class that might look at awkwardly having to stand up at one point and wave to everyone and saying, yeah, I'm a new member. And it's rare for college teenagers to want to place membership. But I encourage you to do that because that plugs you in to a church family. That says, I'm not just coming to be served, but I'm coming to serve alongside a church family. Jesus makes it clear and he talks about even this principle, right? He says, just even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus, the highest of all authority, right? Jesus, the Son of God, the Holy Spirit. He says he came to serve others. And it's easy for us to forget about this as we mature and as we grow. We can fall into this trap of having others serve us and take care of our needs all the time. We lump we lump ourselves in with the world and we say, oh yes, I am so 
important. And so Jesus says this. He says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, serve. If you want to be first in my kingdom, you have to be a slave. And that's a hard word for us to hear. There's a lot of thoughts that go through our mind, but Jesus, Jesus knows. And he uses this word to show that he is a good master. If there is anybody that you would want to be shackled with, anybody who you can fully trust 100% and be completely devoted to and their life, your life would be completely in their hands, it would be Jesus's. And he says, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. When you follow after Christ, we serve others first in all of their needs. We do this and we find that we are humbled. And sometimes being humbled can be shocking. So as we look at humility, I want you to turn over to John chapter 13, right? So what is a life of humility? What does it look like when we live a life of humility? And sometimes it can be extremely shocking. So we turn over to John chapter 13, and here is uh, this, this story. And it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father... Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that his father had given all things to him in his hand, and that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you don't understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not, not my feet only, but, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. But it's completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And that was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and he had put on his outer garments and he resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. For so, I'm, for so I am. If I, then your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a master greater than the one who sent him. I love my youth minister growing up. It's not a plug for y'all, but you should love me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
But I loved my youth minister growing up. Uh, he was funny. He was on point. He had these amazing Bible classes. And he was always there for me when I needed him. I had a moment at church camp or I had a moment somewhere where God was really working on my heart. I knew that I could find my youth minister. I knew that I could have a conversation with him. I knew that he would guide me and lead me through what I was working through. He'd pray for me. And I remember one night, and I don't remember what age I was, right? But I remember one night we were at Alan Bradshaw's house. It was my best friend growing up. And we were doing a, an evening devotional. And we were singing songs, and we sounded really good, perfectly on pitch, everyone. Um, and it was fantastic. It was a really good night. Our lights were dimmed a little bit lower. So it was like this intimate setting where we were really being able to worship and really be able to sing. I don't know about some of you, but that's like my high moment uh, in, in spirituality is, is praising and singing. Uh, that's where I really connect with God. And so that night I was really connected with God. And I remember that we were sitting in a circle. And mid-song, this tub of water came out. I went, well, this is weird. And I remember Ben going to the center of the group. And it was super awkward and weird. As he looked at you and he asked you to remove your shoe and he had the same script and he looked each one of us in the eye and he said something along the lines of, I promise to be your servant. I promise to be there for you and to pray for you and to walk alongside you. I pray to serve you in whatever manner that God has asked me to do and to be there for you. And it was weird Right? Like it was, it was a weird moment for me. I was in high school and my youth minister is on the floor on his knees and he's, he's washing our feet. And I hadn't found chacos at the time, so you had to take your stinky socks off as well, right? And he didn't just do it for me, but he did it for the entire youth group. So if you were first, it was really weird. But man, if you were last, and you knew it was coming, it just like, you ever get anxious? I was, I was getting anxious. It was, it was a weird kind of a setting. But I tell you what, sitting here today, it was, it was awkward, it was weird, but it was powerful. It was powerful to see somebody that I have the deepest amount of respect for. Someone that I still call today and have conversations with about my faith and my faith life and the struggles and the joys of working in ministry. Because here was a man who I had put great honor on kneeling down and washing my feet. And you times this by a hundred or a billion or a thousand, right? Because that's who Jesus is. They have seen this man do miracles. They have seen this man walk on waters. They have seen this man raise someone from the dead. 
And in this moment, Jesus, who is literally the most important person in the world, Jesus sitting in this room knowing that one of his best friends has betrayed him, has put a money value on his life. Strips his clothes off. And he gets down. And he washes his disciples' feet. And I wonder if there's other conversations that are happening. We get a glimpse of what Peter's response is here. But even Judas's feet, Peter washes. And I really want you to think about that moment. Because I think a lot of times we forget that we serve a crucified Savior. One of my favorite phrases to think about. That the person who we say, oh, I believe in Jesus and I will follow him to everywhere I go. That he was beaten. That he was spat upon. That he was slapped and mocked. That he knelt in front of the one who betrayed him and he washed his feet. That's the Jesus in which we follow. And he says those words there, right? He says, I have set an example for you. I have set this example for you, so do this. Jesus chooses to be humble. And even though by far he's the most important person in the room, in the world, he chooses to humble himself to wash his disciples' feet. So when I ask you to live a life of service, when I ask you to live a life of humility, I'm asking you to be like Jesus here. To don't look in a room and see who the most important is, but to look at a room and try to serve others. Anyone. Doesn't matter who it is. Whether it's somebody who's betrayed you or whether it's somebody who's been extremely nice to you. Christ shows us who sent him and he shows us who sent you. Christ knows that he was sent by God and know that you also have been sent by God to be this ambassador, to be humble and to serve. And I want to remind you to never forget what Christ has done for you. Because I believe that in those moments or in our lives at our moments, if we truly remember who Christ is, then we won't forget on how we need to act and carry ourselves. And the church needs more Christians who will be humble and who will serve. And lastly, I want to look at Mark chapter 2. I know we read a different version of this story. 
as a scripture reading, but I want to look at Mark chapter 2. Because the last one is evangelism. I always enjoyed the word evangelism. I think it's just fun to say. It's also fun to do. I should try more of it, right? But Mark chapter 2, verses 2 through 5, and I'm just looking at a small portion of the story, and there is so much meat in this story with Jesus, but we're going to look at the small aspect. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large number that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your your sins are forgiven. And this is straight to the point. Man, I want you all to have a fire in your heart that you will cut a hole in somebody's roof to bring someone to Jesus. Kind of thought there'd be a little like, yeah, woo! Y'all with me this morning? All right, we'll try that again. We'll cut this from the live stream and then we'll edit it so it looks better, right? Okay. I want you all to have a fire in your heart that you will cut a hole in somebody's roof to bring him to Jesus. There we are. Jody's going to be jealous now. But for real, do you understand what these guys did? How many of you would be so happy that somebody just showed up and started cutting a hole in your roof to lower their friend in to see some of you are like, excuse me? That's what they did. They realized that the only way that this guy is going to ever walk again is By getting him to Jesus, that Jesus has the power to heal and to change and to do something. And I can't get to him because there's a bunch of other people who have realized that. And there were some doubters in that crowd. So they got up on the roof, which is impressive that they got this guy on a mat onto the roof because I can't even get myself on my own roof. But they got him up there. They figured out a safe way, sounds like a youth group trip to be honest, like to lower this guy down on a mat. And you know Jesus is teaching and he's like, why is there dust coming from the ceiling? What's going on? Did that piece of the roof fall down? Did they carry it out? I don't know. But it seems like it would be awful distracting for this entire process. But they lowered this man down. And the point is, is that you need to have this passion. Do not forget about this passion. That you have. The church needs Christians who are so passionate that you will, that you will do whatever it takes to get your friend to Jesus. I know you're busy, and there's a lot of people in these seats who are busy, and we fill our times with just about anything. But I wonder. Do we make enough room in our schedule to cut holes in people's lives or in roofs to bring people to Jesus? Do we make those sacrifices to bring people to Jesus? 
to stay up extra late, to get up extra early, to drive the extra miles, to be there when you're tired or when you're worn out. Those are the kind of holes that need to be cut so that people can see and experience Jesus. And so I ask you to think about those things. What will you do to bring people to Christ? So I ask you to be more. Be more and serve the church and others in it. Be more and have a humble spirit. And be more and evangelize and get people to Jesus. Because he's the one who has the answers. He's the one who can heal them. He's the one that can get them to get up and walk again. So I ask you that this morning. And I give you all this invitation, and I give it to everybody in the audience too. What will you do to bring people to Jesus? And maybe this morning is the day that you've decided that I want to give my life to Christ. Or maybe you just need prayers of your brothers and sisters and encouragement. And you can find one of our shepherds around the room, or you can come forward and talk to one of our shepherds or myself up here as we stand and as we sing this.